0: Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 342, being recorded on uh, March 25th, 2015. Good I'm guess. Ryan Shrout.
1: I'm Jeremy Alstrom.
0: I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peak. Alan is out on a man-vacation, a mancation, with uh, some <clears throat> Navy buddies uh, doing things in Ooh, New Orleans. Hey? With
2: some dudes.
0: Uh, I don't really. I didn't check his ticket. I didn't know if he was actually flying to New Orleans, but that's what he told me. Uh, so he's not here today, which means we can talk and make fun of him, and he'll never know. So if everybody he comes back with mind. any beads, then you'll know what he was up to. <laughs> yeah, he bought them at a at a novelty shop. Is yeah. that's what happened? So let's let's be honest with each other here. Uh, so uh, uh I don't know. Stuff happened. We're gonna talk about computer hardware and whatnot. I feel like I've been a while since I've been on this podcast, but it's only been one week I've been missing, right? I think.
2: Yeah, but you missed a I was week before. off,
0: on, yeah. off. Now I'm on again. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so. You were
2: hot and cold. You are yes, you were no. I, yeah, I was. Yeah,
0: just like that song. Um, so we record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcper.com slash live. And uh, we do some fun stuff. We banter a little bit before and banter a little bit after. So if you're interested in that kind of bull crap, you can come hang out with us and there's a chat room and you can talk with people. Uh, and if you need a friendly little reminder for this live event, you can go to PC slash subscribe. You get this webpage here. And all we do is ask for your name. Probably don't want to fill in Ryan Shrout. Um, I mean, you can. I don't really care. I guess what your name is on here. Because all we literally all we use this for is to send you notifications about uh, live events we're going to do, like the podcast or any other special live events, which I will go ahead and tease you here. You do want to sign up for this mailing list because next week, next Thursday, April 2nd, we are going to have a special live stream with our friends from the Intel SSD group. Isn't that interesting, Alan? Yes, it's very interesting. Uh, So we're going to have – there's going to be a product launch. We're going to have stuff to give away. It's going to be educational. You're going to learn things. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll probably mostly cry. But I think it will be pretty interesting. I think the technology that they're going to launch and showcase for people is going to be pretty awesome. And uh, we will do that all here at PCPer.com. So go to PCPer.com/slash subscribe, sign up for that mailing list. And then it will always direct you to slash live And it will, I think, probably tomorrow or Friday, I'll send out an email to that group talking a little bit about the uh, the live stream that will happen on Thursday with Intel. It'll be our first one with them, so we're excited about that. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be really cool. So look forward to that ish, if you will. Uh, let's uh, talk about hardware. We're going to start with Sebastian and his fancy wood headphones. Uh, and look at the Silverstone FTO5, which is interesting for me to bring up because when you were here in Florence, we talked about the FTO5 quite a bit, recorded a video, and then we didn't publish it for like a week and a half or something like that, two weeks. So I feel like I'm kind of in deja vu land. But let's hear about the Silverstone FTO5, I guess.
3: It is silver. Yep. It's a square. Yep. And it's um, not made out of stone, so it's false marketing. Mm. I smell class action lawsuit. Don't quote me in that one. It's (laughs) a high-tech
1: fortress.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, these cases, like Silverstone does this uh, 90-degree motherboard layout where they've got everything kind of turned sideways, and if you have the right components, it's really cool because everything will blow straight up and out the top of the case. I've I've had some, some comments that... This looks like it'd be kind of a dust magnet because the top is totally open, and that's valid unless you leave your computer on all the time. These designs constantly pull air up from underneath, and mm. there's a fan filter down there that's easy to remove it's magnetic on this one, I believe, and yeah, it just it pushes was. straight out at the top. but if you leave your computer off, you know any kind of dust in the room is just going to settle right through that top there's nothing there's no filter or anything on top, but you would you wouldn't really want it because that would impede airflow and all your IO and stuff is up there. I've always wondered. So as a person that has animals throughout his house,
0: um, the bottom air intake is becoming more and more common, right? Like, as if you look at most cases that have bottom, bottom mounted power supplies, their power supply fan, if nothing else is drawing air in right. And yeah. And pushing it out that way. So, um, yeah, at this point, it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. You're just going to have to clean out some fan filters and, you know, get used to that type of stuff, but that has been the cornerstone to
3: silverstone to many of silverstone's case designs I'd say in the last yeah they half they keep on years. leaving it and then coming back to it like the okay. fortress back with the second one was almost exactly this case. This literally looks like somebody chopped a third off of the f t o two huh okay and then with the the three, they went with a completely different design with the four, they changed it around again four I think was a conventional layout, three was like inverted. And now with this one, they're back to the 90-degree thing, and it literally matches the inside of the Raven. The new Raven mm. 5, the RVO 5, is exactly the same as this case internally. Okay. So using that same chassis, you get all the same stuff as the Raven. It's just uh, noise dampening it has been added to it, and you're dealing with aluminum front plate, you know, steel side panels, a lot more metal. It's heavier. Do
0: you you think that the noise dampening stuff did anything? Does it actually add – does it make the case quieter or do you think there's other parts that are making the case quieter, like less fan intake area or something like that?
3: uh, I would say the noise dampening helped a little bit. I think it helped for probably one or two of the decibels. This was about three decibels quieter. Oh, it was? I tested it with all the same equipment here in the same room. Um, the, The Raven's really loud though. It's 50 decibels or so at full blast. Like if you have the, the two bottom-mounted fans on the high position. is it, even, are,
0: are they the same fans uh, yep. on the FTL-5? So these down here? Okay.
3: Yep. The same. They call them their air penetrator fans. Oh. The same one they've been using for a few years now. They get pretty loud at load. You'd almost never need to use it, though, because what I found was low versus high you're talking a degree or two, mm. it's well worth the noise savings to leave them down. Cause you get all the way down to like 35, 36 decibels with them at low and gotcha. you're shooting up to 50 at high. Now in this case, they're only 47 at high and like 35 on the low setting. So a little bit quieter than the Raven. If you flip back and forth between this and the Raven review I did, you can see in every case, this is maybe one or two degrees warmer with the same components and about 2 to 3 uh, decibels quieter. Interesting. So it's almost a fair trade-off. It's like, yeah, it's a degree or two warmer, but it is quieter. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like the, the I used a worst-case scenario with the video card you see there. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Because it's dumping a ton of hot air into the case. It's not a blower-style fan. That's the MSI Lightning mm-hmm. uh, R929X. The fins... A commenter correctly pointed this out. Like the fins on this uh, are running the wrong way for the cooling system. So it's perpendicular to the air- expected airflow. Right, and that. It, so the the bottom fan, which was pushing a lot of cool air right up across the video card, was just hitting that first fin and kind of going around it. Mm-hmm. It did help push some of the hot air from around the inside. The, yeah. of the case, but
0: yeah, I mean because. I mean ideally like you you've got these two fans they're blowing you know straight down onto the heat sink uh, it's kind of just expelling air kind of into this area here, and I'm sure that fan moves some of that up and f- and out but um, it would seem to it be almost more, looks
1: like ducting would be a good idea in this thing it might be i
0: I think like a blower style gPU fan makes more sense here right because you're you're it, it would be expelling heat out you're, you're you're drawing it up it's with a natural uh, as I'm told, it works with the uh, uh, natural tendencies
3: of heat yes. going up, but convection or something. Some I don't know science or crap. Th- whatever the word is. Yeah, I, I remember I had a FTO two a few years ago, and I was playing around with overclocking um, 5870s. Yeah, I had a I had a pair of 5870s at one gigahertz, and I don't remember what voltage I was running, but I had them in that case with the fans on high. And they were at reasonable temperatures. I just remember being impressed by this particular case. If you're using blower style, those were the stock coolers on those video cards. Right. And, and then I was using a Noctua cooler with, and I'd specifically positioned it so it was also blowing up. And the fans were assisting with the uh, CPU cooling, which actually helped a few degrees. And even with my Corsair uh, H75 cooler in this thing, it was noticeably cooler, with the fans versus without in this case
0: interesting yeah i can see that here you see the the fan temperatures are lower with with high fans versus low fans right
3: yeah so it does help like if, if you're just trying to squeeze the most you can out of coolers you already have or with out of blower style video cards that tend to run hot this will give you a little bit of a boost i think the big question kind of the question i was left with this review was it looks really nice it's got an interesting layout because of the 90 degree motherboard thing. Mm-hmm. But you can get that from the Raven and the Raven's about 50 bucks less. How much will
0: this run you, the FTO5? The one
3: with the window there is 185 on Amazon. Yeah, the one without goes for like 175. I guess this is
0: an aluminum case cost issue a lot of it is, right? K- yeah,
3: it's like a hybrid case, there's yeah, steel and true. aluminum. Okay. I mean, so a little bit of it might be materials. There's there I struggled with that part because it's if this was 149 bucks I'd be like yeah this is this is really nice that's kind of high still but you can kind of you can justify it with the build quality and with some of the little features but once you go 160 170 then 180 185 it becomes pretty hard to justify right
0: Yeah that's fair well, there you go. I mean if you if you're interested in this case, if you're interested what a if you've not really looked into a 90 degree angled case, the FTO5 is an interesting design. And and when you had it here, I liked it. I liked the way the the build quality felt, right? Moving it around. Um and it looks, you know, if you look at like at this pic, this last picture here, you can see the back of it. it. It seems like you can get a pretty nice and easy clean design out of it. Oh so, yeah, it's
3: very easy to build in. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right up next we're going to quickly mention Lee posted a review of a brand new EVGA uh, power supply line the supernova 550 Gs and 650 Gs gold rated power supplies uh, nothing too dramatic here um, we're, we're essentially looking at uh, kind of a lower cost series but but gold rated um, I think we're looking at eighty nine bucks for the five hundred and fifty and ninety nine bucks for the six hundred and fifty watt variant um, fully modular is what we're looking at here as well yep. so
2: uh, and cool if you thing. scroll
1: up there for a second they added a new feature mm-hmm. you know the eco friendly uh, the fans don't spin up until it hits a predefined temperature and then sure. it slowly ramps up okay notice how they put that on the inside of the PSU huh.
0: is that less useful then
1: well it'd be nicer on the outside if you had to switch back and forth between the two modes than cracking uh, the case open to reach inside
2: you think you I've might seen that
1: on the outside: I think before, you might con- confuse yeah, it with the main power it's switch been on the outside.
0: <laughs> I wonder why they did that.: I don't know. I don't know. I you really don't know. You get a reasonable five-year warranty with it. Um, they actually turned out to be pretty good power supplies. Again, we were uh, kind of launched this along with the release here, so it's all kind of new information to me. Man, I love the inside. Look at that. One giant cap. That is a super cap, you might say. You might say, and then some giant copper coils. How much you think? How much that copper worth, Josh? You think
4: at least fifty-seven cents on the black market. (laughs) (laughs) Three fifty.
0: So they did. They did get a silver award. uh, Continuous output at fifty C, no issues. Excellent assortment of fully modular cables. They're They're in the flat ribbon style, which I think looks nicer as well.
1: But not compatible with Supernova. What
2: do you mean? Software.
1: It, the the, the VGA oh, software right, right, right. called Supernova that allows you to control it directly uh, digitally. Yep. The, this Supernova PSU is not compatible with it.
2: It's a bit of a branding issue. Yeah, I could see that
1: being a bit hand, of an it's issue. On the other yeah. hand, as opposed to one of the Xs, so it's lower cost. It has less features. Because 650 mm-hmm. for under 100 bucks, not too bad.
0: Right. Yeah. There's just so many power supply options out there right now. It's definitely really. Have you ever
4: scrolled through Newegg and looked at how many
2: products and manufacturers there are? The no-name power supplies.
0: I only Hmm. buy cases that have power supplies that ship with them, (laughs) so Uh. I don't really have this issue. I I I haven't had any. I haven't had a computer blow up in almost nine months. Thank you very much. That's not even true. That's not actually true. Watts
1: is enough for anyone.
0: I thought I killed one off a side tangent. I did think (laughs) I killed a system like yesterday. Uh. Uh, I my so my case sits on the on the floor next to the desk underneath the desk, and I was plugging in a USB um, card reader. Card reader, thank you. And I happened to, to like right as the metal of the USB plug touched the metal of the USB port on the front of the case, I felt and heard a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a static shock, perhaps. System shut off immediately. Not like a blue screen, not like anything. Just off, and it wouldn't. And like I turned it off. You sat there silent on. for
2: about thirty seconds.
0: Yeah, I I, I did. I sat there in silence with my mouth literally agape, <laughs> staring at it, trying to think of how much stuff I was working on that I hadn't saved because I was working on a story. And I was like, oh, I need this one last picture from this USB. Uh, oh no. Um, so. I don't really know what the fix is for that other than maybe, like, buying a humidifier uh, or also... Well, what you do
4: is you touch the external case before you I, I, plug in the USB.
0: Honestly, I thought I had done that. I had tried to make a habit of that, of, like... Did you lick it? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I, I make a habit oh, of, kind wait, of, like, retrying and touching things, PSP like the legs purposes? of the table or whatever. I don't know. It was very It was very discouraging. It turns out I didn't lose very much data, but, you know, sir. So. Uh, we're also going to quickly talk about the OCZ Vector 180. This is an SSD review that went up today. Alan posted. Uh, I don't have a little sample here, but it looks like an SSD. Uh, it is the next iteration and kind of OCZ's self-branded, self-built controllers. This is the um, is this the M00? I think it's the M00. Yep uh vector 180 supposed to be part of their flagship line up to 960 gigabyte capacities which is an improvement for them over previous generation like the vertex 460 or the arc 100 or whatever uh using toshiba uh 19 nanometer mlc flash rated at 550 megabytes per second reads 530 megabytes per second writes um fairly good uh you know specifications looking at this table you know Endurance rated at 50 gigabytes per day, a five-year warranty. And I think that Shield Plus means that it's kind of like advanced replacement. Like they send you a new one before – like they cross-ship you SSD if you have to have an RMA as opposed to sending yours away and waiting, which is a, which is a kind of a big deal. Like that's a good thing. Um, and pricing is, is pretty good. I think uh, the, the 960 gig – no, the 480 gig MSRP is 274. I mean, so, it's
1: on sale at 270 dollars from uh, Amazon when I checked earlier today. Okay, so it's already kind so, of
0: a handful of dollars yeah. cheaper. So, I mean, there you go. That's what an SSD looks like. It looks like that. Um, and if you like to see the insides of things, which who doesn't? Uh, that's that's that what That sounded like. creepy. It was supposed to. IndyLink's controller, Toshiba Flash, et cetera, et cetera. Look at the size of that cap. This one right here?
4: It's not a super cap. But it's... It's so
1: the stupid. size, it's
0: yeah. how you use it, Josh. <laughs> that's, that's never more true than here. Um, so a c- couple of quick things on performance. Like if you look at our HTTAC average results, you'll see things kind of in line with what you would expect in terms of previous vector drives or previous OCZ drives, Samsung 850s, HTTune uh, results pretty much in tune with it. This is where like things get <clears throat> more complicated. If you look at the PC per file copy test, the... What's interesting here is a couple of things. The the uh, the Vector 180 is actually fairly slow in comparison to, it's these top three results, this kind of white bar, this red bar, this green bar. And, and you'll notice that it actually gets slower as the drive gets bigger. So the 240 gig is like 38 seconds for this particular test. The 480 gig is 41 seconds and then the 960 gig is 51 seconds so you're actually seeing it degrade in performance over time which is kind of backwards to what we're used to where higher capacities usually mean more channels usually mean faster performance um so that was kind of a, a first tip here the the file copy was fine no no issues there but the file creation was was more of the issue um and then if you look here at yapped results you get some very kind of oddly i don't know like this 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 again. The 960 has this huge drop down and kind of back up on sequential reads. Is that because they went over the
3: 3.5 gig limit?
0: Yeah, you're only allowed to have 3.5
3: gigs in a in a system. Actually, um, that drop happened when Ryan was plugging in that USB drive.
0: Yeah, we did. I also had a couple of systems random appear to me to randomly turn on today, as well. So things have been things have been going great here at the PC Perspective testing labs. Um, I- I-O-Meter stuff actually looks fairly normal, actually looks pretty good for the Vector 180, good all-around performance there. So there was, as I scroll down here through, uh, has this got it? Let's see. No, we're just going to go ahead and do this other page. So there is a, a caveat to this drive that we need to, to mention, um, and it kind of starts with this graph here. So this is a full run of HD HDTAC. And what you're looking at is this line across here that has all these like very uh, regular – It's like consistent... your prison cell view. Yeah, it does yeah. very much look like that. And it might, might even be ca- causing moray effect on some of your screens as you look at this. But there's these very consistent drops down in performance where you can see like the, the average ends up being – or the should be around like 455 or something if you look at the top of this. But you get these drops down into like the 120s, one, well, 140s or something like that. And it's a very regular thing. Like this is the largest capacity. And as it turns out, those are about every 20 seconds. And uh, it's not just seen in benchmarks, this kind of hitching, this kind of pausing. If you look here, uh, Alan has included uh, like disk transfer rates where you can see like you're doing some writes here. And it suddenly drops to zero. And then it comes back. And this is, you know, for a significant portion of that 60-second window that you see as well. And you can see that here, too. You get these kind of drops. And they even show up in, if you're doing just standard Windows copies here, right, where he is, uh, I guess, copying to the SSD. That's right, Ken? It's on writes to the SSD. So there's a couple of weird issues. One is this top issue is trim performance. So uh, trim is is anytime. You delete a file from your SSD. Trim is kind of responsible for cleaning up the metadata and making sure that the SSD knows that, hey, that flash data is cleared now, Uh, erase it, rearrange the table so that the next time we want to write data to it, you know that that is is available and free. Um, And that actually can cause some some slowdowns, right? It's actually a slower process. For example, let me see what uh, Alan actually wrote here. Uh, For example, like even just formatting a drive that was full can take upwards of like four minutes, which isn't a a huge amount of time, but considering other SSDs tend to happen in like four seconds or 10 seconds, uh, that was a very different thing. It kind of started this chain of let's discover what it is that we're looking at. Um, I'll just read a little bit of what Alan wrote here. As you can see, the 480-gig Vector 180 stalls all operations once for four seconds, followed by another stall of just 10 seconds, the effect appears proportional to capacity. The 240 gig stalled for shorter periods. About roughly half of the 960 easily went past the 10 second mark during this particular test, um, and we get a similar kind of right hitching as well. And, and and the the answer from OCZ on this, because to be to be honest with you, like we we knew about this result for at least a couple of weeks, and we sent them back some feedback, and they gave us another firmware, and we sent them back some feedback, and uh, they say that. It is a characteristic of the design of the drive itself and is a result of the firmware performing updates to its metadata mapping table and flushing the entire table out of DRAM into NAND flash, uh, during which IO throughput is impacted for very very brief previous, uh, periods. And they basically say that this observable and, uh, and larger drives where there's more meta- more metadata – it is observable in synthetic benchmarks, but there's virtually no impact to typical client-grade end-user applications and during real-world use. Um, and there's definitely some truth to that opinion on it, to that to that viewpoint of it. But there are some instances where that's not that's not true. Like um, if you have maybe you've downloaded some movies to your SSD, right? And maybe you know they're I don't know how big are Blu-ray rips now four gigs, something like that. Is that a reasonable thing? Probably a little bigger. I don't maybe know. a little bit bigger than that, six gigs, something like that. So maybe you, you, you move that to your SSD, but now you want to move it to your external drive. So a move is actually a copy and then a delete. So once it deletes a six gigabyte file, there would be some period of time where your system would no longer be able to function uh, in terms of writes to the drive Maybe that's 10 seconds, maybe it's 15 seconds, depending on the capacity of your drive. Um, It doesn't halt the system completely. It does not like it locks up the system, but any other write, if you were doing something else that required a write to the SSD, it would be paused, and if that is something the operating system was trying to do, then you would kind of have this hitch and stall out on the operating system itself. Another instance would be, um, you know... Don't do
2: like FRAPS video capture or shadow play on this drive.
0: Yeah, right. Because writes and and with with the write hitching, it doesn't have to be at full speed. He said he you know at about 150 megs per second or something like that. You could you could catch it doing this. So, if you were copying stuff, maybe you have a, a USB three drive that has a bunch of game backups on it, so you don't have to re-download from Steam all the time. If you were copying one back to the SSD, you were writing it to the SSD, you would see what Alan showed here on this you know file copy where you would see this. You know, these dips in performance, right? And it actually did show up in our synthetics as well as our real world. Like, there's nothing more real world than just copying a file to an SSD, right? Um, and so it's because of those oddities that Alan just does not recommend this drive right now. We, we think they have the capability to fix this and with firmware changes, but it's very odd. If it is something where they're clearing metadata off of a cache because of trim commands, every other SSD has to do those functions, but they are either um, doing it in an unsafe manner that uh, could potentially like damage your data if if uh, power was pulled during that operation and OCC is doing it the incredibly safe way, or they were just smarter about how they implemented it and they made it kind of invisible to the user. It doesn't actually halt all host-write functionality to the system. Um, so even though... Performance is reasonable. The controller seems fine. Uh, you can get a 960-gig drive for you know, roughly 500 bucks. Uh, 52 cents per gig is kind of where that goes down to, which is, which is okay. It's not fantastic pricing. Uh, it's more of uh, flagship SSD pricing, like kind of like 850 Pro-level type pricing, maybe 850. Is there a regular 850? 850 Evo and 850 Pro. Okay. Right. Yep. There's no regular. There's no, there's no just 850. Um, Correct. The Evo's would be the... So it would it would be one thing if this drive were a budget drive, and it says, "Hey, you know, there's this performance oddity. You'll sometimes see it. You'll sometimes not. But hey, it's 35 cents per gig. Whereas here, it's you know, if you buy the 240 gig, it's 62 cents per gig, right? So it seems a little. It's just not a recommended product at this point. To put it to put it bluntly, right? It's just not something we recommend people go out there and buy with all the other SSD options
4: that are on the market. So. I don't know. Alan's you heard not it here, here first. You heard it here. I don't know yeah, only like that, But you know. I, I read a review from another place, and they never covered that. Nope. Crazy.
0: Well, the thing is, is, if you look at the synthetics, like if you only read the average result at the end, you just think it's like, well, it's like 5% slower than I expected it to be. Because those, those right speed hitches every 20 seconds, are, you know, they last about one second. So you get about 20% less performance. Right? So, I well, what
1: mean. I find funny is that these, this is exactly pretty much the exact same internals as the ARC 100 or the Radeon R7. Yeah. Same controller, same flash, yeah. like, same bloody drive. Those, Alan didn't see that on when he reviewed them.
0: So, as it turns out, he might have seen them.
1: But, but we didn't recognize based
0: it? on the controller like performance. You didn't notice them as much. Like the like the HD kind of like dips that we saw were much shallower, um, and, it, and in file copies it was much shallower and it kind of was maybe more in the noise. Uh, but it seems like that may exist on other ones, but to a less lesser extent
4: based on kind of just the controller integration. So, so it seems that this this power failure <clears throat> functionality is magnifying this effect yeah yeah maybe i think it might be
0: i i you know the 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 pfm plus is that what you're talking about correct uh it's possible that that's what
4: it is right and and there could be because every once in a while it it has to it flushes that uh but that mapping yeah the
0: the metadata map metadata you
4: know to to flash so that it's recoverable and
0: Correct. And you want to do that. I, I understand it. And there may be some, maybe if they had come out and said, look, everybody else is doing it wrong and we're doing it right because it's the safest way to make sure you never lose data in the event of a power loss during one of these metadata, metadata flushes. But they don't, they aren't saying that they're just saying, well, this is this, this is the architecture we built and you kind of go, well, okay, nobody else really built an architecture like that. And, you know, had everybody else's functions been, uh, you know, kind of flawed from the beginning. I think we would have seen more reports of like, hey, the system, my, the the power. You know, we had a blackout and my SSD was corrupted, right? We, I think we would see more of that on there if there was some kind of fundamental difference to that to that degree. But wait for Alan to get back and maybe we'll talk about more stuff.
4: Well, all right. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I don't really. He's at a place that. with a lot of different type of scotches, so we may not hear from.
0: But, but he, he doesn't really drink. Yeah, so. no. He's gonna. Here's what he's gonna do. He's gonna take pictures of it so he can brag about it on Facebook,
4: uh-huh. and then he'll
0: never touch it. He'll never <laughs> he'll touch dr- it. He'll,
4: he, he'll drink a Fanta, hang out with his friends, but be <laughs> on his phone the entire time. Yep.
2: He, he already did.
0: Oh, he already did this. Yeah. Oh, he already <laughs> posted it to Facebook to brag about it, and he'll never touch it. I told Alan, or I told Alan, I told Ken, I want to see a picture of Alan holding a hand grenade on Bourbon Street. Knowing that it was his friends that he borrowed for the photo. That's what I want to know. I want to see that. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, moving on. Dell XPS 13 review. I've talked about it a couple of times before on the podcast. Um, It was my pick of the week, I believe, sometime previous. Uh, It's a pretty good laptop, guys. It's pretty good. It's a uh, 13.3-inch screen in an 11-inch body, just like Josh. Uh Uh-huh. And it has... It's... It's most important. I get this. This is all format, so it's not going to show anything. I'll just use the pictures. Uh, it has look at the look how small the bezel is around the edge of that screen. Right now, the model we got sent, so small, so small. The model we got sent was a um, 1080p IPS 13.3 inch screen. There's another option that is the same size, but it's 3200 by 1800. It is a touchscreen. The one I have is not a touchscreen. And the touchscreen one is also like has a glossy screen. And clearly, you can see this one has a nice matte finish, which I definitely prefer. It's really a 4K?
4: I thought it was 25. It's
0: it's, it's it's 3200 by 1800, which is not 4K. Yeah,
4: it's not 4K, but it's. Quad HD, not UHD. Yeah,
0: Quad HD Plus, I think they call it. Mm. So, what's interesting about that, just right off the bat, is so you can get. You, know, you can get a little bit faster processor. You can get uh, 8 gigs of memory instead of 4 gigs of memory, which is what ours came with. Uh, you can get 256 and 512 gig SSDs uh, that are shipped with a 128. Uh, but the the screen difference is more important than just your screen preference, right? So the non-touchscreen variant that I have is lighter by about two-tenths of a pound. And it is it has the matte finish instead of the gloss high-gloss finish, which I definitely prefer. I'm sure there are other people that see otherwise. The, the high-gloss screens definitely have uh, better color. They tend to pop more. But um, I'm willing to sacrifice that. And also uh, is way more intense on your battery life. As it turns out, pushing 3200 by 1800 versus pushing 1920 by 1080 from the GPU actually has a significant impact on how long you can actually use the device because they both have that's, the same batteries.
4: That's shocking. It's it was shocking would have to thought me. That it takes more
0: energy to do more work. <laughs> Correct. But I was surprised how much more. I think it was a non-tech that did like an idle test, like with both screens. They got both models because they're specialer than us, but they got both models. And I think they rated the, the 1080p version as having like five to six hours more battery life than the higher resolution screen, which is insane, right? First of all, nobody uses a laptop in that style, right? Idle on a dim screen, whatever. But uh it was, it was enough to, for me to know that I, I would definitely want the 1080p variant rather than the high-res variant. Uh, the rest of the machine is nice. It's got, a, it's got a fairly thin design, 2.6 pounds. It's got this nice kind of uh, aluminum finish on the top and the bottom. The insides is all kind of like a black rubberized plastic. Uh, you get two USB 3.0 ports, a full-size SD card slot, one mini DisplayPort output. Uh, here you can get a little close-up of, of how thin that bezel is. They call it the Infinity Display. Actually, I think they only call the 3200 by 1800 variant the Infinity Display. But um, it's still pretty – it's it's damn nice looking. One of the downsides of a super thin bezel on the top is you get this webcam uh, in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. Looking up your
1: nose. That's not a good idea. So
0: it looks up your nose a little bit and uh, like your hands are uh. never not in the shot. Right? If, you're, if your hands are on the keyboard, they're never not in well, the shot. Well, you shouldn't
2: be using your computer while you're Skyping with your
0: significant Maybe other. you shouldn't. Maybe that's true. But maybe – you know, I'm not going to get into it. Um, so that's kind of – Remember how we were talking about like the Dell Venue Eight Seven Thousand? I was going to say
3: this is consistent from Dell. Put things down. The
0: front-facing camera is in the bottom left-hand corner. <laughs> of the screen. Yeah. Put your cameras <laughs> like in they, the crotch shot. Make a great device. Put your
2: cameras in the worst position ever.
0: But you're right, Sebastian. Like they've got it had the Dell Venue Eight Seven Thousand super thin bezels along the top, left, and right, and then the bottom had a long bezel, a wide bezel with a camera and a poorly. It, placed It's like location.
2: Dell's figuring out why no one makes super thin bezels on. Them. Portable devices. I need cameras. I think this sacrifice is worth it, though, because I very rarely the, the webcam is, is unusable. I rarely
0: it's not unusable. It might as well not have one. No, that's that's incorrect. It's not unusable. It's just dumb looking. They should make it really crappy webcam just so they can do check boxes.
2: Yeah, like this computer just shouldn't have a webcam. Then I, I would be fine with that too, but.
3: I think th- I think most yeah, you can't ship a, a laptop in 2015 without a webcam. Well, no. don't ship it with a crappy one either. Well, but you can check that box. It's like it has a 720p webcam. Correct.
2: Yeah, but it, if that wasn't the concern, like if this was a no compromised computer, they shouldn't have tried to shove a webcam into it. But look at the bezel. Stop looking at the webcam. Look at that. Look how thin the bezel is. Did you use the picture compared to my MacBook? It makes, uh, <laughs> it makes me cry a little bit. I will show that in <laughs> well, Actually, that, that actually it makes me cry a
0: lot. I, I will show that in a second. Okay. Uh, the keyboard is good, but it's a thin, it's a thin device, so you're going to have less key travel than what I'm used to coming from one of those big, fat Lenovo ThinkPads that I've got. Um, but it, but it actually, I used it for a good couple of weeks as, as my almost primary machine, and, and I was able to type most of this review on that device, and it, and it was fine. It worked out pretty well. Display is great. Here's a shot that Ken is talking about. Um, this is his MacBook Air. Is You have an 11-inch, right? Yeah. MacBook Air. 11-inch so the, inch the size of a 13 because of that giant <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's true. It's very true. But well, my webcam
2: points correctly.
0: Very good color reproduction on the XPS 13. Um, pretty reasonable brightness considering it is a matte finish uh, device. Very good viewing angles because it's an I- IPS display. Audio. It has stereo speakers, but they kind of point out the sides instead of – um, out towards the, the viewer. So it's a little bit there, but it does get quite loud if you're interested in just blowing out the speakers early for some reason. And often. Uh, CPU performance is pretty much exactly in line with the Intel Nook based on Broadwell we saw before, right? So this is a Broadwell Core i5-5200U. That is kind of the default Ultrabook platform for Broadwell for new designs coming out. Um, performance. You know, a little bit better than what you got with the 4200U, but not earth-shatteringly so in terms of CPU performance. Uh, you get better single-threaded performance because it does clock higher um, uh, than uh, than Haswell did. So that's a plus. Um, oh, I never updated that graph. I need to do that. Uh, GPU performance is actually a better improvement than CPU performance. So if you want to do things like I don't know, play some Bioshock Infinite 13 by 7 low or Counter-Strike Go at 1080p high or Grid 2 at 1080p low. You can do those. They're not fantastic. It's not a gaming laptop by any stretch, but if you have mainstream gaming titles you want to get through, you can do that. Uh, It has a reasonable performance SSD. Again, kind of disappointing write speeds, like 140 megs per second, but good read speeds. So that's really what you're concerned about for loading application times and whatnot. So battery life, here's where it's pretty cool. XPS 13, Our battery life test is fairly harsh. It uses fairly high-impact websites, and it cycles through them pretty quickly uh, compared to some other ones that are are maybe stretching it out longer just to make the battery life a little bit longer. What's important here is the comparison, though. The Dell XPS 13 got almost eight hours. The Lenovo Yoga 3 Pro, which is also based on Broadwell, but the lower-power Broadwell Y variant, uh, only got five and a half hours. Uh, because it has a smaller battery in its
4: ultra-thin design, yeah. and has hey, a 32. Did, did you, did you take 18. this apart by chance? I did not, but I looked at. I fix it, take it apart. Well, did, what size is the motherboard as compared to like the new MacBook Air? It is
0: bigger than that. It is. It is for sure because the MacBook Air is using Core M, or the new MacBook rather is Core M. Yeah. Right, and so is the Yoga 3 Pro. It's using Core M. This is full Core i5. Um, so it's a little bit bigger because of that. Uh, I mean, it's larger. It is. Because uh, it's, it's got the mSATA on there, and then it's got the uh, memory soldered on to the PCB on it's the reverse M. side. It's uh, M.2, but yeah. What did I say? M.SATA. Yeah, M.2. Yeah, not,
4: M, not mSATA.
1: Why do you soldered ask? Soldered on, I bet, too.
4: No? Because I'm just curious oh. as to how big I, I and how much extra apart. battery they could put in there. It's
0: a 52-watt-hour battery. So it's a big battery kind of right off the bat. Yeah. Um, I did start to take it apart, uh, but the clips were were not being nice to me, and I turns out I didn't want to I didn't want to break it because I just looked. I fixed it, I had done a teardown, so I said, "Okay, that's good enough for me. I'll use that for now." Um, what else we got? Oh, recharge time. This is interesting, and we're adding this into notebook tests. Maybe going forward, is we test how long it takes to actually recharge the machine under a couple of different scenarios, whether it's idle, which is where the screen is at minimum brightness, but it's still on because we got to record. Um, what the charge levels are, and then doing our normal browsing test at 180 lux uh, screen brightness. And I find would find it interesting. You can get to 90% battery life in 101 minutes on idle or 116 minutes uh, while doing like, a typical browsing workload. So in under two hours, you can get 90% of your battery life back, which is, which is, which is pretty cool, actually.
4: So did this, uh, what inspired you to do this? Your, your, your what, Droid Turbo?
0: Yeah, so doing doing the doing the Galaxy Note 4 review, I guess, kind of pointed me in this direction. Like, to me, that's becoming personally, it's becoming a more important thing. Right? Is okay. I used this all day, but I'm getting ready to get on a plane. So, how long do I need to charge it to get uh you know five hours out of it or something like that? Uh, And hence why we had like 50%, 90, 95, and 99% charge times. So, I'm curious. People leave us feedback. Give me ideas on, on what you think is interesting out of that. Um, because also, I will say some other outlets publish times to 100%, which is entirely useless. Because going from 99 to 100% can oftentimes take 30 minutes or you know some obscene percentage of the total time. When that one percent is useless, it's just harder technically, you know, technologically to get that like last an little Explorer bit. Just download browser bar. Yeah, it just it gets to 99% so quick. It sits there. And it just sits there. Um, so yeah, any feedback on that would be good. Uh, in terms of pricing, the model we tested was 899 bucks, which is pretty good for what you get, I feel. Now, is that the 4 gigabyte
3: yep. RAM model?
0: 4 gig, 128 gig SSD. For my money, if I were to buy one, which I'm seriously considering doing, I would buy this one with 8 gigs of RAM instead of 4 gigs and a 256 gig SSD instead of 4 four. And that's, Which runs the eleven hundred, right? Yeah, ten ninety nine. So it's hundred bucks
3: for each of those upgrades. What type of SSD is in that? I've Sam- not looked at the IFix It's a Samsung PM eight
0: fifty one.
3: Okay. So it's m.2 dot It's an
0: M.2 SATA. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's okay. Like it's not it's not anything special. Um but it gets the job done. It's like I said, it has it has fairly low write speeds, but 140 megs per second. Those sound like
3: compromises
0: yeah, no I mean, compromises. Did I say that?
4: I don't know. I don't like, I don't think it I was implied. No, I think I think Sebastian Peake usually says no compromises. Just just look at the accoutrements that he surrounds himself it's,
3: it's with. True. It's true. It's true. I, I make sure to put everything of value in frame so I look like I'm <laughs> better off than
0: yeah. I am. Uh so that's that's the Dell XPS thirteen. I really, really, really like this
2: machine. Also uh, if you put that external webcam on it, like everyone's saying, think of how much of the screen it's going to block because you have no bezel to put it on. It's going to block like – This is it, not It's like a six of the screen is. you're blocking. What are we talking about? If, if you because put an external webcam on external computer – Everybody uses external webcams, right? You, but you have no. to on this laptop because <laughs> – No, the, no one Because does. the webcam sucks. You don't have to use it. It just looks odd. It just looks stupid. So, so if you buy this webcam, it's usable. you can't do the podcast remotely ever really cuz the webcam is in a terrible position I
0: just have to bring the laptop <laughs>
2: up the keyboard yeah,
1: just... up to eye level yeah instead <laughs> right yes but i bring c920 with me yeah. everywhere if i'm going to do something cuz yes but, it, but if you put a C9... suck
2: but if you put a c920 on this laptop it'll take up like a fifth of the screen <laughs>
1: Because oh, this, it has like, no
2: bezel,
3: you, sir? You're so bitter, aren't you? <laughs> Let me look at show this bezel again. Just be angry a little bit. <laughs> Just Just a
0: stop, stop whining. See, I feel like
3: that picture doesn't even do it justice because you're seeing so little of the screen in relation to the bezel. Yeah. The bezel in person, at first, you're you, it almost looks bezelless. And then you're like, oh, just, it's just should like a have tiny put enough bezel, bezel on the bezel top to put it. a webcam. Like this
2: picture, then. and I would have been all right with it. Yeah. It will just they fit the webcam. A, should on top. They put As
3: much bezel as they did on the Apple.
1: They
2: Can't fix it. They can't put it up there. Like they made the bezel bigger. Yes, the
1: be, like, the, look,
0: the, we don't all want MacBook Airs. Integrate with four-inch bezel into okay? the display. Your MacBook Air has more bezel than the. I know. ThinkPad I'm saying.
3: <laughs> hey, you don't My Logitech webcam
1: tracks the bezel.
4: Okay, my Logitech webcam in front of me is less than one centimeter. Of of overlap of you're not gonna block much. Out. Well, How big's your no, bezel? <laughs>
3: yeah, it doesn't I, sound like I, bezel that is a very good bezel.
4: two centimeters. So that's like three centimeters, bro. That's, this no, this bezel is only five point seven no, no, millimeters. No, it's, it's one centimeter. <laughs> only bezel a Mac this owner big. would argue about a <laughs> centimeter.
0: But this is I only five point seven understand.
2: millimeters, which so, is less than centimeter. So, centimeters, so for for out. the record, the bezel on my laptop is crap. But I think there's a compromise between where you can fit a webcam and that XPS. So I'm, I'm, no,
0: I've wrong. asked Lenovo today <laughs> to, uh, to send me. That's all I'm saying. Lenovo's gonna send me the X1, the new X1 Carbon. Ooh. Right. So uh, we'll get an idea there because we'll see where they put the webcam as well. So anyway, go check out that review. It, it's pretty neat. <sighs>
2: They probably put the webcam on the back of the car, but it's, it's weird. Yeah, the webcam is actually on the keyboard looking directly <laughs> up
0: your nose. <laughs> Straight up at you. Right, yeah. It's not even an angle up your nose. It's actually directly In fact,
4: directly we, up. we have a uh, uh, market-first uh, crotch cam. Right. It's, it's on the bottom, it's at the, the bottom of the...
0: bottom uh, of, the, of the, the front of the thing. We had yeah, to put an LED point. down there, too. It's weird. Yeah, it's an LED light, because you've got to illuminate, because usually it's dark. <laughs> right? It's the uh, chat roulette cam, is what they call
4: it. Ooh. <laughs> Featuring still, cam horror switch, acceleration switch from, from NVIDIA.
0: Uh, have you guys ever heard about FreeSync? Mm. Is it I mean is that ringing a bell with anybody? Is,
1: is that a song by some guy out of Texas?
0: Uh,
4: Freebird? Do you do you hold up your your lighter when you hear FreeSync? Uh, I
0: do. I, I I go to concerts and I yell out FreeSync and people turn and I go what the hell is wrong with that guy? Um, so FreeSync Finally, like a public announced thing, there's a driver out for it. Uh, you could buy monitors, maybe not in the U.S. Actually, I think they the BingQ you can buy in the U.S. I think, I think at least a couple of them now are showing up in the U.S. Uh, and we got to use it, we got to use it and play around with it for a little bit. And the majority of our impressions are actually quite good about FreeSync, as it turns out. So, FreeSync is the competitor to NVIDIA G Sync based on the Visa DisplayPort 1.2a Plus Adaptive Sync implementation which is basically uh, uh gives the driver developers from amd or nvidia if i chose to do it a way to integrate v blank extension which allows you to have a variable refresh rate on a panel right we've talked about g-sync a lot we know what g-sync is how it prevents tearing how it prevents stutter and why it's so awesome right and and and, and i truly believe that variable refresh displays are very important to the future of pc gaming and, and really change things uh, in a lot of fundamental ways. So FreeSync has been um, delayed many times, finally available. I can't remember how many times they told me we would have it next month. We actually have it here. We have three monitors here, only two function, but we have three FreeSync monitors here. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, we have the, let me go down to, yeah, it's on the other table. Uh, we have an LG 21x9 ultra-wide 2560x1080 screen. We have a BenQ TN 2560 by 1440 uh, 40 to 144 hertz panel. So, uh, like, very similar to the ROG Swift in implementation. And then that widescreen LG panel has a maximum refresh rate of 75 hertz, which is okay, uh, but it actually has a minimum refresh, uh, minimum variable refresh of 48, which we'll talk about. A little bit later, so I'm not going to go through the marketing spiel of licensing versus not licensing, licensing proprietary modules versus not proprietary modules. I think everybody kind of understands the basic premise of what FreeSync is and how it proposes to be a benefit, right? The it is open standard, lower cost. That's kind of the key, the kind of the key thing here. Now, what's interesting is in this in the writing of this story, which I actually did at NVIDIA's GPU technology conference, don't, don't tell NVIDIA, I uh, was sitting in there in the press room doing it. There are we need to define three things. We have to define three new things. And because I'm such a risk taker, I'm going to give you terms for it. I define the VRR window as the area in which a variable refresh screen actually is functioning. Right. So the window in which a uh, 49 frames per second game results in a 49 hertz refresh rate and animation is smooth no screen tearing, etc. cetera. And you have above and below those VRR windows, right? So what happens when your frame rate is higher than that? What happens if your frame rate is lower than that? And that is where the fundamental differences lie. Inside that FreeSync window, inside that G-Sync VRR window, um, say on that, on that uh, BenQ panel, between 40 and 144, FreeSync looks just as good as G-Sync. It, it looks just as good. You get it just as smooth in animation. You get uh, no tearing, no stutter. It all just works. That's great. Above 144 hertz, you get an option on FreeSync that you don't get on G-Sync. On FreeSync, you get the option to disable or enable V-Sync. Okay? And what that means is, just like with any other monitor that, is, that has existed before, if you disable V-Sync, if you have V-Sync off, if your frame rate goes above 144 hertz, you will get screen tearing, but the minimum amount of screen latency Period. Input latency. Period. Right? You'll get screen tearing if you're rendering it like 150, 160, um, but you'll have that option. If you turn vSync on, it will cap the frame rate at 144 and it will act just as if vSync were on, right? No big deal. With G Sync above that window, you only get the option of vSync on. You don't get the option today of disabling vSync if you choose to have the lowest possible input latency at the expense of screen tearing. That's a decision NVIDIA uh, has made internally. What's maybe more interesting is what happens below, below the window, if you will, uh, of VRR, is that you get on AMD FreeSync you get the same option, right? You get to decide if you want VSync on or off. So at 40 hertz on that BenQ panel, if your frame rate goes to 38, 37, 36, 35, you have the option to enable VSync which will be tear-free, but will introduce stutter into the animation, right? Or you can choose to disable V-Sync and reintroduce tearing at the uh, without kind of uh, uh, the, the standard stutter that you'd normally see. So you get that option below. But what G-Sync does differently, and this is a graphic that I attempted to make on an airplane uh, flying home at like 2.30 in the morning, it was... Kim was asleep in the seat in front of me,
4: and I had gotten bored of pounding on the chair. And the pilot kept going up and down and up and down and up <laughs> right. and down. Right. I was and, trying to draw a straight line here. It and did it inspired not, you.
0: It did not work out. <laughs> um, so here's what, we th- here's what we actually know now what G-Sync does. As f- this, this blue line represents your uh, frame rate coming down, right? Rendered frame rate. And then uh, this vertical axis is the refresh rate of the display. So it's one-to-one as you come down here, as you approach 30 or so. If your frame rate is 60, your refresh rate is 60. If your frame rate is 31, your refresh rate is 31, right? That's kind of the idea. And when you hit about 30, what what happens is, is the screen, rather than deciding, oh, you want vSync on or off, NVIDIA goes, well, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually double the refresh rate and insert an additional copy of each frame into the sequence. So, Instead of going at 30 hertz, your screen is actually now refreshing at 60 hertz again, so it's doubled the refresh rate. But in every other frame, it's just duplicating a frame. The effect is you get no tearing again, but you should see no animation stutter. And people in the comments were, were that were confused, like, oh, if you're introducing duplicate frames, aren't you going to see stutter? And the idea is no, because you are still presenting the frames as quickly as the GPU gets them to you. You are just timing it and spacing it out so that in the time between frames, you are inserting another of the previous frame, right? Just to keep the screen at the, at the correct brightness levels uh, and to prevent tearing and any kind of flicker. Can and I throw
3: something in here real quick? You, you can toss it. Go for it. Okay. So just if you think about uh, like this, the frame repeating thing, because that was brought up a few times, TVs that pass, uh, like if you read any TV reviews, they talk about LCD performance and different, um, aspects. One of them is Blu-ray movie playback because Blu-ray movies are 24 frames a second, and a 60 hertz TV or a 120 hertz TV or whatever, like if it has a mode where it can display the 24 sure. frames per second. Now, on 60 hertz TVs, what they always did was the the better high-end models would have a 48 hertz refresh mode, which would then display every frame of a 24 frame per second movie twice, and it, the effect of that is actually to make it look completely smooth when you were trying to display 24 frames per second on a 60 hertz monitor you had to use three two pull down so every so many frames were doubled and it caused screen judder it like it would be it would not be smooth so when you can pair uh repeated frames up with like in a um, mathematically like the integer method like if it goes in twice or three times or four times into the, the refresh rate, yeah. it looks totally smooth to your eyes. Whether that's five uh, repeats into a 120 hertz panel for a 24-frame Yeah, I was going to say movie. 120 hertz is where everything nicely kind of converges. Right. Yes, exactly. Because 60 can be doubled and 24 can be quintupled. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Ooh, fancy words.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a similar idea. The, the point is, like, NVIDIA knows at what point a display under, under what refresh rate it will start to flicker. So it, it wants to not get below that point. So how can it do that while maintaining smoothness and uh, a tear-free experience is to – Right when you get to above it, you add another frame and duplicate the refresh rate again. So as we saw in this graph, you can go from, you know, as your frame rate gets down to 30, you double it and you start the same path. But now, as you look here, like right here, your frame rate is like 25, but your refresh rate is 50, right? So it'll go back down and it goes, oh, no, we're getting down to that 30 hertz refresh rate again, right? So it simply adds in another frame into the middle of it, tripling refresh rate. So now instead of 20, you're going to refresh at 60, right? You're going to add another, you're going to add another duplicate frame, right? So you're going to add in frame tripling, it goes down again, uh, quadrupling, quintupling, and it kind of, the pattern can go on and on. And the goal of it is, obviously the trick is to space it out in a way that it is smooth animation, that it is intelligent enough to know that when a new frame is going to come and it and it kind of separates things and it and it has to account for, you know, it's not a constant frame rate that is happening, right? You're seeing waves of frame rates so it has to be intelligent about when it does that. And this is a, a rough estimate of what G-Sync does to prevent the issue that we see with FreeSync underneath its minimum refresh rate. Now, I'm going to stop here and not try to explain it anymore on that particular part because... Alan and I did a video yesterday where we've much more uh, eloquently and scientifically show you what is happening through the magic of analog oscilloscopes and prove that this is what G-Sync is doing and prove that it is not what what FreeSync is doing. And this this is kind of another representation of it, although maybe a little bit busy for a graph, is that... um, the 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 free sync monitor that has like a forty hertz minimum refresh rate once you get below that you know you, you you're stuck at that refresh rate you don't get to to change anything like that so you introduce tearing and, and potentially stutter whereas you get this this variable plot here um, so. <sighs> There's also – oh man, so many different angles. FreeSync In the FreeSync Reviewers Guide, they posit there's a performance hit for using G-Sync. Upwards of 1.5% or so, up to 2% in a couple of cases for using G-Sync. I haven't tested that yet, even if it's true. I don't think really a 1% to 2% performance delta for using G-Sync is uh, a reason to not use that technology if you're interested in VRR and you happen to have GeForce hardware. Um so I don't put a whole lot of weight behind it. And also it's odd that AMD sees up to a half of a percent increase in their performance when enabling free sync. When it to me in my mind, it it almost seems impossible that you could get better than vSync off performance out of out of a variable refresh platform. Um but the but the free sync setup works. The setup is easy. You plug it in, a little pop-up pops up, you enable free sync in a in a control panel. It works very similar to what you would see with the G Sync monitor. Um and I, I guess I'll end it with this because we'll have we'll talk about this again next week when we when we sh- when we show that other video uh, uh, and, and story. Is that the the BenQ forty to one hundred forty four Hertz refresh panel with FreeSync is actually a really good monitor. It's fairly inexpensive. It's less expensive than the ROG Swift by maybe one hundred and fifty dollars or so. It acts perfectly well inside forty to one hundred and forty four frames per second. If you game and you never drop below forty frames per second, you will never see the issues that we're talking about in terms of the tearing and stuttering. Um, however, like the LG monitor, the LG 34 UM67 I think, which is a 34 inch 25 by 10 2560 by 1080 uh, that has a very limited refresh window of 48 to 75 is more problematic because you only have a 26 Hertz window where you actually get the benefit of variable refresh and everything below that. Um, and I think, I think going below 48 frames per second is probably fairly common. You know, if, if your target is like 60 to 70, I guess, um, because your target should be to stay inside that variable refresh window. If you go above it, you have to either deal with tearing or V sync latency, or you go below it, you deal with one of the other as well. So it's a very narrow window and it's not a, great implementation of it, I would love to see a G-Sync variant of a 21 by 9, maybe 3440 by 1440 display that has, you know, kind of the step-down methodology that we just tried to detail and probably confuse people with uh, for G-Sync because I think it would, you would get rid of any of the potential issues of the bottom out. It, it basically, effectively, G-Sync has no bottom minimum refresh because of the algorithm that the module is implemented, whereas FreeSync has a, a somewhat Disconcerting bottom rate, right? That that causes issues, and and we'll go into it more next week because we we have the other story that's going to go up. That like as it turns out, when your refresh rate is 40 hertz, and you start to introduce tearing at low frame rates, you actually get the effect of tearing and stutter at the same time, and it's actually a little bit worse. And that transition between the two can be very disconcerting. But like I said, if you are interested in that BenQ monitor, what is it? The the XL uh darn it uh xl2730z which is a 27 inch 25 by 14 tn free sync monitor that's your best bet right now or and the acer as well but we didn't actually get to test the acer because it had a malfunction but uh this is this is a list of they say they have eight monitors kind of shipping or 11 compatible displays One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh wait there's just different okay different size models of it. But they've got 4K up to 60 Hertz, 1080p up to 144 Hertz, 25 by 14 up to 144 Hertz, and then um, two 2560 by 1080s up to 75 Hertz. So, and there's ghosting concerns. Go read that. There's there's no way to talk through that. So uh, go check out these screenshots, but it looks like the early implementations of FreeSync may have some ghosting concerns as well. Um, I don't know. That was a lot to kind of, to talk through. What do you guys think? I'm tired of talking.
4: I like the idea of sync. I think everybody does. Um, hopefully, we will s- other implementations that would add perhaps more features to it that would potentially get rid of some of these little issues, niggling issues that uh, you see. But uh, I don't know how you do that on the GPU side. But hey, you know what? NVIDIA was able to do their drivers, so they uh, uh, made frames frame delivery smoother remember back two years ago when amd had some driver issues with like the 7950 where you know scott and you had discovered all kinds of uh the inconsistent frame rates and, and AMD oh, never came heard out. It. what never heard of it yeah yeah and uh amd came out and said well we didn't know we could we could get around some of these dx things and uh right yeah Sure enough, they, they did, and who knows what, uh, what software software can do because the possibilities are infinite with a programmable feature set. It's true.
0: It's true. And in that video that we'll hopefully get up tomorrow, we posit that, that they could implement the same thing that GSIC does in the module mm. in their driver, but it would be a more complicated and um, potentially problematic implementation of it because it has to be very aware of all of the panel um, intricacies and the drivers have to be updated every time a new panel comes out right whereas with the module it's kind of driver independent graphics card independent within within reason well um,
1: so oh, that's only logical though. interesting
0: debate yeah
1: but it's not fundamentally broken that, that's sort of the big takeaway from this it's not fundamentally Correct. broken it needs some work
0: I, I, I think they could fix it if they're willing to spend the time and development effort on it, it I don't know I think fundamentally it works fine if you stay within that window it works great it's outside of that window where things get, you know, troubling. I guess on the low side, especially. Um, and, you know, if monitor technology improves, that like all of a sudden the minimum refresh rate, is like twenty hertz, without having to do any of the algorithmic doubling stuff. Then you kind of fix the problem anyway. I just don't know if we'll when we'll get to that with any of these modern panels.
2: So we just need OLED. Just yeah, it'll just, fix everything. I don't. No, if that's true stay we'll, within we'll the LED, no led monitors out of graphene and we'll fix all of humanity's problems
1: oh wait. no quantum dots ken quantum dots uh, nobody said anything faster. about my
2: jurassic park shirt yet today it's
0: jurassic world yeah i bought a jurassic world shirt already guys oh nice
2: yeah fanboy number one
0: all right how quick do you think we get through the rest of this news crap so quick so quick ken says um nvidia quadro m6000 announced." anything interesting here it has ECC. Yeah, but you don't only mean on
1: the RAM, not on the cache. Other than that, it's a Titan X.
0: Yep. So it's a Titan X. It's
1: with a got Quadro grab branding. Double precision.
2: It has a backplate. This card has a backplate. Oh yeah, we, we saw it at GTC. <laughs> it only has one six-pin power connector. Yeah, it yeah. only has. Yeah, that's right. It only has one yeah. six-pin power connector. So they're doing something. They're downclocking yeah, that they're thing.
1: They're a wee out of spec there.
4: Or they're just downclocking.
1: Usually, but Excuse
0: this plane flying by.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, is somebody <laughs>
4: crashing into your condo? Alan heard
0: me make a joke about the hand grenades, so he had his Navy friend do a flyby. Um, so there's that. It still doesn't add any double precision capability, like any additional double precision capability. They didn't magically find some on that GPU, so <laughs> ta-da. All right, next. Josh, NVIDIA is going to use Samsung for manufacturing?
4: What? What? You know what? I, Your dog woke it's up. It's funny. I that. started to... Uh, what, am I, what about my dog? He's awake. You woke oh, him up hi, and you went, buddy. What? It's
0: Cody. Oh. He's so much
4: cuter than you. Yeah, he is. <laughs> that's not hard to do. <laughs> Ken's cuter than I am. And that's... Aw. Thanks. Uh, You know, it's funny. I started writing a little uh, article about why uh, we're not going to see probably 20 nanometer GPUs and stuff. But, uh, hey, it leads into this. NVIDIA, in one of their SEC filings, uh, mentioned that not only are they using TSMC, but they're also using Samsung. Now, Samsung came out, of course, with not very long ago a product that utilizes 14 nanometer FinFed technology on the process side. Technology? Namely the product that will be powering the Samsung Galaxy S6. Never heard of it. No, no, and it's not going to be a very popular thing, and it's not going to be produced in the millions right off the bat. So first thing we know, this process works. Not only that, but it can do mass production of of chips in the millions, which is a good thing. So what chip do you think NVIDIA is making on this? Nothing right now. What do you think they're going to make on it, a GPU or a Tegra? It depends. Cool answer, bro. I know, I know. Okay, here's, <laughs> here's the deal. We're looking at, like, uh, let's take a look at TSMC. Let's do. They've got a 16-nanometer FinFET technology, but it is only aimed at low-power-type products because at the state it's in, it can't handle or really large designs. And do it effectively. Is that because of leakage? No, no, it's not leakage. It's 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 more a power delivery issue. So basically you've got a large mass of transistors and a big die and the power needed to get all of those transistors to switch in a reliable and fast manner, it scales Logarithmically, how much power you got to push to that to get it to work. So if you've got a lower power design that's switching at you know two two point five gigahertz, and it's it's you know a small die that is more of a CPU type application, that's not
3: a big deal. When you get a GPU, I've got got lots of PCIe connectors. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I know. And you put like four on it, and it'll be fine.
4: Exactly, uh, but you know if you've got one mass, okay, and that would be like a hundred millimeter square die size, and so heat is not a big issue, power is not a big issue, it's fine. But once you start scaling into a bigger design, uh, transistor density starts to kind of work against you. You got to start pushing a lot more power through it, that generates more heat. Uh, you're you're going to get potentially slower switching transistors because of heat and other physical uh, issues with what you're seeing. So they're going with a 16 nanometer FinFET plus product at the end of this year that supposedly will address a lot of these issues for a larger product that may speeds. And I mean, a GPU runs at 1 gigahertz. We're pretty happy with that. 1.2 that's fine, but you know the Apple A8. It's what a uh, hundred millimeters square about, and it runs at two point two gigahertz. But it's a CPU design that has lots of uh, stages and, and multiple pipelines and all that crap that allows it to go faster. But GPUs are just massively parallel. A lot of things happen in one clock, and you just can't get things to work correctly if you just start ramping up that clock speed uh, without applying more power to it to make sure everything works effectively. And it just, pretty soon, it, it just careens off the scale and you have a part that just doesn't work and last generation stuff is is outperforming it. And so that's the, the primary fear. Um, but we don't know enough about Samsung's 14 nanometer FinFET it might be a little bit better for GPUs from what I'm hearing. Interesting. But we don't know anything for sure. So uh, Tegra is going to be probably one of the first things that we'll see on 14 nanometer FinFET because it's going to be a smaller device. It will be designed for low power. Low-ish. Low-ish
2: power. I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. talking 15 to 25 <laughs> watts. But, but Samsung's that's... doing 20 as well, so it could just be a Tegra on 20. 20 nanometer. Yeah. Because yeah. they're producing some of the AA chips. Uh, so. That's true. That's true.
0: I, I only have one other question, really, on this. Um, <clears throat> Sebastian, how exciting are 10K forms?
3: 10K forms? The form oh, 10K? Yeah.
0: yeah. I also like seeing, like, oh, this is an annual report pursuant of something, something, something from
2: 1934
0: mm-hmm. as part of this. The Securities <laughs> oh. Exchange Act of
2: 1934. That's a pretty important act. Yeah, it is. Honest. I'm
0: sure it yep. hasn't needed to be updated at all. Oh in the last
2: god, damn.
1: 80 years. <laughs> so, yeah, scrolling through that, I was yeah. just like, T-Mobile oh, actually god. fills out their forms in Morse code. No, that was Verizon. That was Verizon. Oh, sorry, though. that was Verizon, was it? Yeah, yeah.
0: That's that's actually pretty funny. Oh. All right, next, Corsair releases Dominator Platinum Orange Memory. Jeremy, what's special about it besides it orange color?
1: Well, bloody hell, this is overclocking memory. Uh, and. At some point, Mori is going to put up a review of this.
0: He's he's and, trying. He's trying so hard.
1: Hey, he's actually probably going to put up a review of this on the X99 SoC board that they hit the record on.
0: That is also think, orange.
1: Yeah, it is also orange. But they got this DDR4 up to 4.365 gigahertz.
2: That's a lot of gigahertz. We broke the 4 that's, gigahertz that's
1: barrier. Insane. <laughs> I, I mean... Oh, it's barely a 900 megahertz overclock on the one hand. On the other hand, your, your RAM is going 4.3 gigahertz. It's, it's rather impressive.
0: It's true. Um, a a 3,400 megahertz out-of-the-box result is actually pretty impressive, too.
1: You know, I will not lie. <laughs> there is a problem. Oh. It costs you about the same amount as a Titan X. These uh, are thousand dollar memory kits for sixteen gigs. It's I know, I mean, but maybe you can go in with
2: with, with a friend
3: expensive. on one. If you added this to an APU, think of how to say. <laughs> <laughs> Pair it up with a hundred and fifty dollar the seventy eight fifty k APU. You're really think gonna about have a hundred dollar motherboard. You're really
2: gonna have to shove that DDR
3: four dim into that DDR three slot. Yeah. It's oh, worth yeah. it.
4: No, I think it's, it sounds worth it.
2: If hey, you know, like does it does support
4: native DDR4. Is that oh. a real
3: rule? I mean, do you have to have a DDR4 slot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the controller well, itself testing. supports it, so why even bother?
0: Yeah. Yeah? Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Give it a shot. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, we're in. Next video planned. All right, in our final news story, MSI releases a new AM3 Plus motherboard, this time with uh, added USB 3.1. So while they launched... Um, uh, Intel-based USB 3.1 equipped motherboards last week. Uh, Tim, write this up for us that they uh, are releasing the MSI 970A SLI Crate Edition, which is hence the, um, the the adorable snake on the front of the box. I didn't. I guess I didn't know Crate was a snake until CES when we yes, talked to them about it's this. A snake.
2: Yeah. Hey, hey, hey! It's a new AM3 Plus motherboard.
3: It is a new AM3 Plus motherboard with, with, with modern, modern features. With and coming next month. An add-in card for DDR4 memory. <laughs> just a riser oh, board right. off the PCI Express bus, I think. You yeah, but Justin. it'll be painted
4: black and white, so it'll fit just perfectly Sweet. in there fine.
0: Yeah. For, for yeah. AMD platform, guys, this looks like a pretty killer board, though. You do have SLI and Crossfire support on there. Um, two USB 3.1. No USB 3.0, according to... No. Do you know why? What? That
2: chipset doesn't have it and they didn't want because to it's an sb
4: 950 which oh. was originally released the sb 850 in 2012
2: so they didn't want to they,
0: they didn't want to add both a
2: usb 3.0 and 3.1 wait, controller wait, did on you wait no i, I you didn't mean 2010 US, yeah i was gonna say 2010 2012 was, usb 3 was a thing bro
4: yeah no 2010 was when the first uh uh 890 fx and sb 850 were released man that's so disappointing was so, it
3: AM2 Plus, or was it AM2? It was the original Does AM3. Oh, doesn't okay. matter. It's a good question. Oh, it's so so a valid question.
0: So, but the USB 3.1 ports are backwards compatible USB yeah. 3. So you, if you have a USB 3 device, you can still get USB 3.0 performance, and then your USB 3.1 uh, upgrade ready on that.
2: That's interesting. That's this interesting. So how much do we want to bet this is going to be about the only AM3 Plus motherboard that ever exists with 3.1? No, because there's another. It's is it another, another MSI board? board.
4: Some weeks ago, MSI released a, a thing saying, hey, we've got all these new motherboards coming out with USB 3.1. Mm-hmm. One's based on the 970, which is this one, and another, a 990FX oh, gaming
2: Oh, man. And it's oh, probably yeah.
4: red. It's going to be red and black. Probably this
0: uh, black. this crate motherboard is supposed to be less than $100, though. It's a good-looking motherboard.
4: Yeah, actually, I like I do. the, I like the color
0: style. Uh, and, you know, I like snakes, but not it's, real it's ones.
4: Got, it's got uh, not as interesting Ethernet and uh, audio as, say, like the 970 gaming. But sure. it does have USB 3.1. And I think it's got an actual 8 plus 2 power phase array. Hmm. Yeah. Look, Josh's thoughts. <laughs> oh, Josh's thoughts. <laughs> so that's just switch
0: off those. My delete it's all crap. isn't working.
4: Crap. Delete. know anything.
3: How much does that cost? Delete. Under uh, 100 bucks, I think. Less we said. than $100? Oh,
0: okay. Well, I thought we were talking about Josh's thoughts.
4: Yeah, Binder, worth oh. a penny. Maybe a nickel. No. All
0: right, we're going to go into our hardware software picks of the week and round out the show. Uh, this is uh, one I just found today, and I'm going to try to get a hold of it. Oh, puppy dog. Puppy hello, cam. Hello, puppy. puppy cam. Now I'm going to have to bring my dogs in again. Oh, God. Deal with it, Ken. Terrors. Um,. So EVGA just started selling a GTX 980 hybrid 4-gig card, which is a hybrid air cooler water cooler. So it is very similar to who made – we saw one like P&Y did this the 680 ball. or 580. 580. 580.
4: Um, uh, Zotac. Zotac worked with that cooling place out of Canada. Cool. Ace tech. BlackBerry? Is it tech? <laughs> yeah. Zotac. And uh, they had a 580 GTX 580. In fact, I've I've, yeah. I've still got that cooler yeah. behind me somewhere. Yeah, it's very sad. Th- they teased that
2: card at CES, I think, yeah, at uh, one of okay. the booths. Yeah, they, they had it in their suite. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, they had it. Yeah, they like, had it like, in their suite. I think we did a video. They didn't. They weren't calling <laughs> it the hybrid then. Oh, okay. They are calling it like the hydro copper, which wasn't a very good name because, because hydro they, copper no, already was already a thing that
0: was very different, very high end. So, so this is this is kind of interesting. I'm curious to see like what it does for temperatures, if it does anything for overclocking because that, that's that been our complaint with the 980, the 780 and the 980 really, maybe the 682 is that NVIDIA locks the voltages out. So you don't have a whole lot of like extra headroom to do overclocking. Um, and this is this – based on this picture, it looks like a single thickness – um yeah radiator uh but i mean you know it looks interesting um and it's it's it is kind of like a hundred dollars more than uh other than a reference card so that's that's a little bit of a of a stretch there when it comes to that Um, hey
3: maybe it doesn't overclock any better maybe it's a hundred dollars more but it will be far more inconvenient to install.
2: Yes. That's true. Oh remember the no, the P and Y one had the CPU cooler in the same loop. And it was oh, always yeah, self-contained. Oh my god, that was so terrible to install. And we <laughs> gave it, we, we give it to people for the system build contest at QuickCon. They had to
0: install it during the system build
2: contest. <laughs> and I could hardly figure it out in the pre build.
0: Yeah, it had never the product had never existed before. We had the first two <laughs> units in the country because they didn't even have retail packaging. <laughs> so it didn't even have instructions, I don't think. And we said, hey, build this machine. Otherwise, you're a loser. Loser. Think about it. Uh, so sense. that's that's mine. It's interesting. I'm, I wouldn't say go buy it yet. We're going to ask for one and mess around with it maybe and uh, see what we get there. So uh, uh, who do we got next? Jeremy?
1: Kids these days. Uh, the toys that they get. I mean, when I grew up, I had to learn electronics through Rocky's Boots on my Apple IIe. I
0: thought we were going to say rocks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, well, they, It was hard to build an XOR gate with rocks. It, it's not impossible, but you can do it. Uh, just there's this thing called ambient. little bits. You just need uh, the crystal this... rocks. Yeah. Are well, you not little talking bits.
4: about the Radio Shack 501 electronic set? Yeah.
3: Heath kit?
1: They didn't have cheap Heath kits up here, but we had cheap Radio Shack kits, and I did play with a few of those. So my mom decided that the uh, heat sink wasn't good enough and the soldering <laughs> iron was going to burn everything down. Yeah.
0: I mean, you, you probably know. would have, let's be honest.
1: But So this is just a bunch of logic circuits that clip together with magnetics. So you've got two magnets on the outside, uh, an input and output, and a ground. Uh, it's got wireless stuff on it. They've actually huh. got uh, an Arduino language they've built specifically around these little bits. And as anyone, if you scroll down, you'll you recognize the double Ns, the NANs, the XORs. Uh, you all, just need
2: Ns. You can build anything out of a Nand.
1: Right. It, they've got uh, cloud backing, so you can actually do stuff, remote control, so it's accessible over the internet. But it's totally designed for if you've got a kid, uh, a nephew or niece, a young cousin, you want to assure show, to show them this is what you awesome. can build... With electronics, or you just want to build a connected uh, system, like a, a nice house. Like I'm gonna uh, say,
2: buy
0: clean, this for myself and office. say it's
2: for my kid. I, I have but, a box full of logic gates over there. If you want it, this <laughs> looks way this looks way more colorful.
1: It, it's colorful. It's much easier to deal with, and it does work. I mean, yeah. that's just, that's the thing. You you could build a smart house with this stuff if you felt like it, or. Get your kid to build you a smart house.
2: Which do is- something useful, brat. I don't, want, I don't want. a kid messing with the mains to do home automation. Oh <laughs> no, you don't
1: need mains for this.
2: But for home automation, you do.
1: Uh, no. How are you going to control uh, a light? here. Forward. Here, put so this fork in the two twenty.
0: Plug two forty, please. Uh, and what was the second link you gave me? This is the uh, other oh, place where you should the, buy their it. Their
1: website, which is how full much of is flash it? Flash. How,
0: how and expensive and is it? Let's check.
1: Uh, the, the Nice Kit's about 250 bucks, and you can automate your house for it. Some of the basic ones are about $100, 150
2: Hmm. Base Kit. we got to go Smart Home Kit. Expensive. There you go. Synth Kit. That'd be cool.
1: And you compare that to oh, some of cool. the uh, Smart branded. Home Kits that are sold commercially, and that's actually like half price.
0: Arduino Coding Kit?
1: Yes, it speaks Arduino.
2: Click the synthesizer one.
1: Which they actually had Korg. Yeah, that's cool.
2: That's really cool.
4: Powered by a 9-volt battery.
2: Yeah.
4: But they literally
1: had Korg Engineering help them with this. That'd be a
2: cool project. Cool little thing to build if you're a kid. Can we control our lights with this, skin? Oh, probably.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Look, it's that guy. I know that guy. He's like the king of Switzerland
4: or something, right? Yeah. He owns all the bags. (laughs) Huh. That looks
1: pretty cool. I'm so jealous of kids and their toys these days.
0: You can buy it now. You're allowed to. Like, as an adult, that's the great thing about being an adult you can buy whatever the hell you want. (laughs) You don't have to wait for some parent to say no. Bring it down. Yeah, no, I just
4: need the time to Really? No, the bank is now my parent. It can tell me no.
0: Yeah, that's probably true but you can lie to the bank can i have this no you can lie to the bank that's a good point you can do that
4: uh who we got next josh what do you got me uh you know i don't know if this may have been mentioned before but um someone posted this in our hip chat today
0: hip chat it was alan Hip chat
4: no i think it was ken and then alan said he's gonna buy one nope uh it's the one of the first of the uh, official IPS 144 hertz G Sync monitors. It's a little pricey, but you nope. can get it for ten percent off if you put in the code. Josh Tech. Uh, JoshTech.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's gonna be my code Se- for anything we pick. Seize from now on. the idea with capitalization throughout. Seize the idea. We
0: actually have one of these sitting on the floor behind Ken. We, we plugged it nice. in, and used it for a bit. We did plug it in to verify uh, refresh rate changes via oscilloscope.
3: But uh, and it's really IPS.
0: It is really IPS. Yeah, I know it is. Uh, it looks really good. The case, they, like the build
2: quality isn't as good. Yeah, it's not as cool.
0: Really good. Yeah, it doesn't have nearly the build quality of Swift. But the Swift was exceptional in that regard. And this Acer one is kind of built like all the other Acer laptops we've seen recently, like the the uh, 4K and uh, the 1080P. It kind of looks the same, and feels the same, which is unfortunate because it's not it's not bad. It's just well, you know. But once you set it up and you don't touch it, mm-hmm. it's just like it's one of those things where if you have a desk that has a slight like wobble to it every once in a while when you touch it, and you see the monitor, you know, it'll reverberate it. It'll make it a little bit worse than it than it would be. If it itself is a little bit wobbly, that's kind of disappointing. I don't know if that's the case with this monitor. I'm just saying it's something to look out for. But I, I, I think this is the new best G-Sync monitor, right? It's, it's basically it's basically the ROG Swift with a better screen, yeah. right? In terms of IPS quality, Forty and it's about the income. same price, right? And mm-hmm. the ROG Swift still sounds like 750 or something like that. Uh, I think it's a little more expensive even. Seven seventy, hover like to like eight. Well, then we just point out to Alan that it was a little bit less than that recently. Something maybe like that, So yeah, and it has a super cool model number of XB two seven zero hubprz Yeah, and the BPRZ is actually an important <laughs> important part. It's not just like burps, which is what I thought at first. Right. Last but not least. Well, I mean, maybe. maybe least. We'll see, Sebastian. Probably
3: least. And least expensive. Oh, there you go. Where is it? Turbo, Mike, Mike, Turbo. We were talking about charging earlier. Turbo charging for your phone. Okay. Anchor has a $20, 18-watt turbo charger. It's it's Qualcomm's Quick Charge 2.0. If you have a phone with a Qualcomm chip in it, or as Ryan discovered, if you have any modern phone that supports Quick Charge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like my phones, I, I have a, a couple of Motorola phones here. They charge up in two hours from one percent to hundred percent.
0: It's a substantial change when you go into the world of turbocharging
3: a phone. My yeah, this was I, the f- I've become far more irresponsible now with, with my phone. Yeah, I run down to one percent. Oh, whatever. Charge it for fifteen minutes before I leave to go somewhere, and I've got like you know two three hours of solid use out of it, maybe yeah. more. I I have one question. Do the prongs fold in on the anchor charger? Uh, I'm not sure because they don't it. on the Motorola.
2: No, they don't. This the one does. This costs one doesn't cost like 35 either. Five bucks. I don't know why they wouldn't make. The you folds, think is there is there some
3: foldable? <laughs>
0: why wouldn't they make these foldable? Is there some like connection quality? No. necessity to get
3: eighteen watts no. out of a charger.
0: I can't imagine it.
3: No, okay. I mean Apple. All of yeah, their like folds. the MacBook chargers. Fold. Yeah,
0: I know. It, it, it does seem odd that this one
3: hey, doesn't do
2: it, and neither my, does my a, Nintendo.
3: Uh, 3ds charger right here it folds what well he didn't buy a new 3ds because he wouldn't go no i had to buy it separately and yes i do have a a new 3ds (laughs) you like it is it good it's yeah it's really good damn it anyway higher resolution screen it's got the xl size screen on the body of like the original 3ds
0: i have an xl i have the xl with the uh legend of zelda gold triforce in the back so eat that see it's lots and lots of
3: screen what are you playing Okay, uh, it, My wife should, was playing Mario Party. I have... Uh, sure she was. The Force... Oh, what is this? Sure, sure she Link was. Between Worlds. is the new Zelda game. Yeah, it's a good one. It is very good. It's hard.
0: Yeah, if you're like seven. Oh, yeah, well, I don't... Snap! <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I do agree. I think, that, I think that's an important pick. If you have a phone capable of turbocharging, you probably already have a charger that came with it,
3: probably. No. Uh, not necessarily. Really? Like oh. this uh, little Moto E right here. Yeah. Motorola doesn't include it with their phones, like the Moto yeah. X even. No, they? no. My Moto X, I had to buy it separately. Yeah. The this Nexus did. 6 comes with
4: one but in the box. But that's a Verizon
3: phone. That's not a Motorola phone, really. Yeah.
4: Nexus 6. Well, you're Nexus you are worse than I am. I mean, you've got so much stuff with enhanced <laughs> reach. You're oh, I've got some stuff with
0: enhanced reach for you, too, Josh.
4: Mm. I'll lift it up.
2: Oh, under. he turned the chair around. The puppy's gone.
4: The puppy is gone. The wife came and Aww. got the puppy. Puppy uh, cam's useless now. It is. Just try again.
2: Look at it again, Ken. Let's see. Now it's yeah. just like shoulder. It's just
0: Josh's shoulder. <laughs> this is <laughs> a simulated
2: image from that Dell webcam. <laughs> 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 no,
3: not hey, enough. That's the nostril.
2: smooth shoulder you got there. <laughs> that's Thanks. Nice. It's clean. Nice. All right, everybody. That's
0: going to finish our episode finally today. See, I told you it would be a short one, Ken, right under 60 minutes, just like we, yeah. we promised it would be. Uh, again, thank you, everybody, for joining us at PCPro.com slash live. We record the shows on Wednesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, and if you go to PCPro.com slash podcast, you can find all of our previous episodes uh, of the podcast, including videos and audio and RSS feeds if you want to subscribe to it, and don't forget to sign up for that mailing list at PCPro.com slash subscribe, because next Thursday, we will have an Intel Live stream that will include giveaways of existing SSDs and yet to be announced SSDs. Ooh. Think, Ooh. think about it. Think about it. Not Mind too hard, to think blown. about it. Mind uh, blown. So we'll be back next week as well. Looking forward to it. And uh, um, everybody root for the Kentucky Wildcats. So I can I don't think
3: they need week. our help.
4: Hey, root for Wyoming to the Final Four. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll do
0: that. How's that bracket? How's that bracket strategy working out for I'm you? I'm still in like second or third. Alright, well we'll see as these rounds progress. How okay. much that Wyoming point uh, pick hurt you a little bit there. We'll see. All right. Good night everybody. I'm Ryan Schro.
1: I'm Jeremy Helstrom.
0: Josh Walbreth. Sebastian Peake. That's all yell at the TV.